Wasn't worship awesome? It was awesome tonight. Awesome, awesome. Well, welcome to Victory Christian Center Wednesday night soaking service. Ah, feels good to get refreshed in the middle of the week, doesn't it? We just want to take care of a little bit of family business here. We would like to see if there's any first-time attenders with us tonight. Anyone here for the first time? Go ahead and raise your hand up real high. We would like to recognize you, give you a little CD, little gift. Nobody? Everybody here before. Awesome. I believe the ushers are going to pass out the Ministry of Friendship books. You can sign those and pass them down. And as far as announcements, I know we had a bulletin on Sunday, and they're probably still in the hall if you didn't get one. But I think the only thing we wanted to really highlight was this Saturday, New Wilmington is doing their fall festival, which we usually do kind of a, a thing around you know, the end of October for the kids. But this year we decided to kind of join with them and what they're already doing. And it's an awesome festival that they put on. And I believe um, you'll be blessed if you go. There's information, I think, in the bulletins. So you can check that out. So I think, any other announcements? Okay. And then we're going to get ready to take tonight's tithes and offerings. If you have... um, Tithes and offerings to give. You can get those out, get those ready. It's such an awesome time to honor God with the first fruits of what he has blessed us with. And so we are going to pray over the offering. Mr. Collier, would you like to pray? Amen. Hold on, let me get get my stuff out here. I didn't know I was doing announcements tonight. <laughs> Wasn't worship awesome? Let's just go back there. That was awesome. I was ready for him to disrupt everything and throw my message out the window and just settle into the presence of God. But we all know, too, that his anointing is on the word. So we're not done with his anointing. We're not done with his presence. When Jesus was here, he went about teaching and preaching and healing. And we're going to do some teaching of our own tonight. And hit that same anointing that was on worship, it rests on the word because it's all him. Amen. So, Father, we just ask you to use me tonight. Let my words be your words. Let there be unction and power, not just words of my wisdom. I'm not here to impress. I'm here, Father God, to minister life and power and grace to all those who hear. So let my mouth and my words be used for your glory tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So we're going to talk tonight um, and actually next week also about prayer. So we're just going to do a little two-week series on prayer. And um, we're going to just jump right in, I ha- and we'll just kind of get as far as we get tonight, and we'll pick it up next week. How does that sound? So what I kind of want to talk about tonight are three different things about prayer, what it is, what does it look like, and why do we need to do it? And so, um, first of all, let's look at what it is. The dictionary tells us that prayer is a solemn request for help or an expression of praise or thanks addressed to God or an object of worship. So it's a request or it's worship. 
And um, I, I don't know how many of you were here a couple years ago. We did a four-week series on prayer. And my definition of prayer that the Holy Spirit dropped in my heart at that time was prayer is a conversation. It's rooted in fellowship, and it's based in trust. And so we're going to look at what prayer is, what it isn't, what it looks like, why we need to do it. And um, how many of you have ever met somebody that just seems like they're really given to prayer? Man, they just really know how to pray, and they really know the Holy Spirit, and they know God, and their intimacy level is just through the roof, and you're just like, wow, I wish I could be given to prayer like they are. Anybody know anybody like that? And how about, um, how many of you know that people aren't more given to prayer as maybe a gift from God or makes them special? People are more given to prayer simply because they give themselves more to prayer. So it's not just some special gift that some people have that they just get to, to be a little more intimate in prayer or they get to know how to do it maybe better than others. It's not a special gift. It's just they're more given to prayer because they give themselves more to it. And so we're going to look at what it is tonight. So prayer is a conversation. It's rooted in fellowship. It's based on trust. Prayer is not just a one-dimensional conversation. It's not just me going to God and saying, I need this, I need this, I need this, I need this. Thank you very much, and I'll see you later and leaving the throne room of God. That would be kind of like going to the doctor and hopping up on the table and saying, I have a pain right here, and every time I do this, it just really hurts, and if I do this, it hurts even worse, but if I do this, I get relief. Okay, see you later, walking out the door. You would never do that to your doctor. You'd kind of hang out and hear what he had to say, wouldn't you? So prayer is not just a one-dimensional, it's not just a one-way talking at God. It's a conversation. Prayer is a two-way street. It's rooted in fellowship. Fellowship is how you get to know somebody, and it's based on trust. And these are all things we're going to look at this week and even on into next week. And how many of you know our requests are based on... Oh, she's praying over there. New baby cry. Our requests are based on our belief or our confidence in God's ability and willingness. Our requests are based in our belief and confidence in God's ability and in his willingness. And I'll give you an example. My son Alex is going to start driving in April of 2015. Help me, Jesus. <laughs> However, my son Alex has not come up to me and asked me yet to buy him a Porsche because his confidence in my ability to go buy him a Porsche is nil. <laughs> he knows that I don't have the ability right now to go out and buy him a Porsche. However, I would imagine that Bill Gates' kids had full confidence to go ask him to buy them a Porsche because he had the means the willingness, the ability, right? So our requests to God are based on trust. They're based on our confidence in his willingness and ability to do what we're asking him to do, right? Yeah. Hallelujah. God is good. So we're going to take a look at, real quick at some scriptures and kind of hop, skip, and jump through some examples of what prayer looks like. And I want you to keep that definition in the back of your mind. 
It's a conversation. It's rooted in fellowship and it's based in trust. So we're going to go to Genesis chapter 2. Going to begin at the beginning. Verse 19. And I thought this was interesting. It says, Then the Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him. So the Lord God formed from the ground all the wild animals and all the birds in the sky. And I love this. He brought them to the man to see what he would call them, right? So I can just picture him taking the animals, pretend like this is something, an animal, to Adam and going, hey, Adam, what are you going to call this? Okay, that's what its name is. Okay, Adam, what are you going to call this? All right, that's so God and Adam talking back and forth about what Adam's going to call every animal and creature ever created. That's prayer. It's a conversation. First and foremost, before anything else, it's a conversation. I think some people get so befuddled in, in what is prayer and how do I do this? And I know when I first, first gave my life to the Lord and I would sit in my room and have my Bible out and go, well, I feel weird <laughs> sitting in here talking to myself. But prayer is a conversation with someone. And God was conversing with Adam. And when I read that, it just gave me just such a picture of intimacy. God, he knew Adam. Adam knew God. God trusted him enough to name the platypus. Really? Adam, the platypus? I mean, there's just some questions I have for Adam when we get to heaven. But we'll move along. Genesis chapter 3. And we're just going to take some a look at some pictures of what prayer looks like to help us get out of our box. And Genesis 3, verse 8, is after the fall. And Adam and Eve sowed their little fig leaves together. Verse 8 says, When the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. You know what? They recognized him. They recognized the sound of his walk. They recognized him walking in the garden. Why? Because there was intimacy. So they hid from the Lord God among the trees. Then the Lord God called to the man, where are you? And he replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. You know what? God talked back to him. Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat? And the man replied, it's a conversation, right? Prayer is as easy as a conversation, okay? All right, let's move on to Genesis chapter 4. Not your typical chapter to look at for prayer because it's a story of Cain and Abel. How many of you, when you think about prayer, you immediately go to Cain and Abel? <laughs> Me either. <laughs> but I've always found this fascinating. And it, it talks about um, Eve giving birth to Cain. Later she gave birth to his brother and named him Abel. When they grew up, Abel became a shepherd while Cain cultivated the ground. When it was time for the harvest, Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. 
Abel also brought a gift, the best portions of the firstborn lambs of his flock. The Lord accepted Abel and his gift, but he did not accept Cain and his gift. And this made Cain very angry, and he looked dejected. Why are you so angry? The Lord asked Cain. Why do you look so dejected? You will be accepted if you do what is right. But if you refuse to do what is right, then watch out. Sin is crouching at the door, eager to control you, but you must subdue it and be its master. What a loving, protecting God we serve. Cain had a relationship with God because when God started talking to him, he didn't say, who is that? He brought an offering to the Lord. He had a heart to the Lord. He had a relationship with the Lord. And God came to warn him to guard his heart against anger, to guard his heart against bitterness. He was warning him here, hey, come on, come this way, right? Doesn't it say you'd be accepted if you do what's right, but if you refuse to do what's right, then watch out. Sin is right there to get you. But God didn't want sin to get him. God wanted to bring Cain along this way, but Cain still had a choice and he made the wrong decision. But there was a relationship there. And you know what I see here, especially in these three instances, is that God initiated contact every time. We think about prayer as us going to him. I'm going to come to you, and I'm going to bring you my requests, and I'm going to bring you praise. But you know, God initiates contact. If you're the only one in a relationship ever initiating contact, don't you start to wonder if the other person really wants to have a relationship with you? Hmm, do they really want to be in relationship? I'm doing all the reaching. But God reaches to us too. But we have to be able to hear him. You know, I, we have a house. It's not like that open concept. There's walls between all the rooms, hallways and everything. So if I'm in the kitchen, which is right next to the living room, but my kids have the TV on, you know I have to almost scream to get them to hear me? I'm initiating contact, trying to talk to my kids, and they can't hear me over the TV. So if you never hear, have God initiating contact with you, I'm just going to offer this. Maybe you just can't hear him over the noise of everything else you have going on in your life. I mean, sometimes I put the TV on just for background noise. To be honest, if it's super quiet and I'm doing a mindless thing and sometimes I just throw the news on just to have some kind of background noise going. Sometimes I do a podcast. So, you know, sometimes I just do love it or list it. You know, you just want to see what the new kitchen's going to look like. But <laughs> if God's never initiating contact with you, then I would start asking myself what I need to turn off. Do I need to turn the TV off? Do I need to put my books down? Do I need to, to maybe not do as much with friends that might keep me out of being able to hear him? Do I need to put the phone down? amen (laughs) because the phone is so much more than the phone anymore used to be when you were on the phone it was just you know my kids don't understand that a phone just it was for talking (laughs) gone is the generation that knew that a phone was just for talking 
But sometimes you need to put that phone down. If God's not initiating contact with you, I would just start asking myself, what's so loud that I can't hear him? I love Psalm 27.8. And it's not on there. I'm just going to go to it real quick. Just listen. <clears throat> Write it down. Psalm 27.8. It says, My heart has heard you say, Come and talk with me. And my heart responds, Lord, I am coming. And there's mornings that I wake up with this, and it's awesome. It's him initiating contact with me. But in every one of these instances that we just looked at, God initiated the contact and they always responded. So prayer is a two-way conversation. Sometimes I initiate the contact. Sometimes God initiates the contact. But it always goes back and forth. If your prayer's not going back and forth, if he's not speaking to you or you're not responding to him, it's just time to maybe check up on that. All right, let's go on to Genesis 18 for another look and what prayer can look like. Because not all prayer looks the same, right? There's different kinds of prayer. It's like all water is a liquid, but all liquids are not water. So there are different kinds of liquids. There's water, there's milk, there's juice. There's all different kinds of liquids. There's different kinds of prayer. There's fellowship, and this is a different kind of prayer we're going to look at in verse 17. It's intercession. And this is when God comes down to talk to Abraham. Remember the three uh, visitors come to Abraham's tent, and he feeds them, and they say, Sarah's going to have a baby next time this year, and she laughs, and they say, why did Sarah laugh? She said, well, I didn't laugh. Well, yes, she did laugh. All that just happened, and then they get up to go. And in 17, it says, the Lord said, should I hide my plan from Abraham? For Abraham will certainly become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth will be blessed through him. I have singled him out so that he will direct his sons and their families to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just. Then I will do for Abraham all that I have promised. So the Lord told Abraham, I have heard a great outcry from Sodom and Gomorrah because their sin is so flagrant. I'm going down to see if their actions are as wicked as I have heard. If not, I want to know. And the other men turned and headed toward Sodom, but the Lord remained with Abraham. And so Abraham responded, Will you sweep away both the righteous and the wicked? Suppose you find 50 righteous people living there in the city. Will you still sweep it away and not spare it for their sakes? Surely you wouldn't do such a thing. Destroying the righteous along with the wicked. Why would you be treating the righteous and the wicked exactly the same? Surely you wouldn't do that. Should not the judge of all the earth do what is right? And the Lord replied, If I find 50 righteous people in Sodom, I will spare the entire city for their sake. Then Abraham spoke again. Since I have begun, let me speak further to my Lord, even though I am but dust and ashes. Suppose there are only 45 righteous people rather than 50. Will you destroy the whole city for the lack of five? And the Lord said, I will not. And Abraham and the Lord go back and forth and back and forth and back and forth until you get down to the bottom. And Abraham says, will you destroy it for 10? And he said, no, I will not destroy it for 10. Sadly, he did not even find 10. But verse 33 says, when the Lord had finished his conversation with Abraham, 
He went on his way, and Abraham returned to his tent. So we see here again a conversation, and this is a picture of intercession, of interceding for someone. And all that interceding means is that you stand in the gap for somebody who's not standing in the gap for themselves. You offer prayer for someone who's not even wanting prayer at times. This is prayer that you do for someone who's in a hard time, who's in a difficult spot, and you are praying. It's like a bridge. You're standing between them and God, interceding on their behalf. And that's what Abraham did here. This is another kind of prayer. But what I find fascinating is that Abraham didn't just watch the news and then pray for Sodom and Gomorrah after. God came to Abraham and said, should I hide from him what I'm about to do? And there's a kind of prayer and there's an intimacy with God and there's a place that we can be in prayer and in the spirit where God's showing us stuff ahead of time so that we can step in and stand in the gap. Where we're not just watching the news and praying backwards and saying, fix it, where we're seeing in the spirit from God saying, prevent it. Are you with me? Guys are really quiet tonight. When, how old was Alex? He might have been five or six. My little white, he had white, white hair when he was little. Curly, curly white hair. Toe head. And, um, I got up early one morning because I had a dream of this little blonde, not little, of a blonde young man laying on a sidewalk just covered in blood. And Alex was the first one in my mind. So I get up and I start praying for Alex, interceding for Alex. Father, what is this? Is something going to happen to him? Please, God, intervene. And I kept praying and praying along in those lines, and I really felt like it wasn't for Alex. I said, Father, I really feel like that was from you. What do I need to pray? And I entered into this prayer for a young man in Hawaii. It was actually the pastors that we know there, their son. His name's Toby. And, um, I mean, I was very, he led me very specifically in prayer for different organs and different body parts and just covering the blood and pleading specifically for these things. And was it two months later, this young man was in the wrong place at the wrong time and got attacked with a knife and stabbed in so many different places. But every single organ that I had covered in the blood, I mean, it was, he was spared. How many, I don't even remember how many stab wounds, 20 something, multiple stab wounds. Fine. I mean, he had to go to the hospital, obviously. He had to get stitches and all that kind of stuff. But the knife missed every internal organ. Why? Because God saw ahead and wanted that covered in prayer. Because I'm special? No. To be honest, if I didn't have a blonde-headed little boy, I don't know that I would have gotten up. I'd have blamed it on the pizza. But I was afraid for my son. But then I was afraid for somebody else's son. And there's a place in intimacy and in prayer that God needs his church to get to where we're not just praying backwards on what happened in the news for him to fix it so that we can pray forwards to prevent some things. That's how you pull revival in. That's how how these 
things in the end times are going to happen, how the early and the latter rain are going to come. Why? Because we're watching the news and praying backwards? No, because we're seeing what he wants us to be seeing and we're speaking and praying it from heaven to earth. Does that make sense? Okay, I know we're covering some of this really quick, but I want to make some headlines here and then comment, which the commentary might come next week. So um, Exodus 3. Another kind of prayer. And Exodus 3 is the burning bush. Exodus 3 verse 3 says, This is amazing, Moses said to himself. He saw that the bush was on fire, but it didn't burn up. Why isn't that bush burning up? I must go see it. And when the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called to him from the middle of the bush, Moses, Moses. Here I am, Moses replied. Do not come any closer, the Lord warned. Conversation, get it? Rooted in fellowship based on trust. This is a conversation. Take off your sandals for you are standing on holy ground. I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And when Moses heard this, he covered his face because he was afraid to look at God. And then God goes on to tell him, I've seen the oppression of my people. I'm going to go and deliver them. I'm going to use you to do it. And they go back and forth. We have a conversation. This is prayer. Go back and forth with this conversation. And Moses is like, no, not me, no, not me, no, not me. And if you go over to Exodus 4, verse 1, it says, but Moses protested again. What if they won't believe me or listen to me? What if they say the Lord never appeared to you? And then the Lord asked him, what is that in your hand? A shepherd's staff, Moses replied. Throw it down on the ground, the Lord told him. So Moses threw down the staff and it turned into a snake. And Moses jumped back. And then the Lord told him, reach out and grab its tail. So Moses reached out and grabbed it, and it turned back into a shepherd's staff in his hand. This is prayer. They were having a conversation. And when I read this story, my thought always is, what if Moses didn't turn aside? And to take it a step further... What about all those times in the morning when I wake up and hear the Lord say, come and talk with me, and I say, I'll catch you in an hour after I go back to sleep. (laughs) What about all those mornings I don't get up? And it's not a you're in trouble because you slept in and you didn't get up and pray, 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 and work, work, work. This conversation that Moses had with with the Lord was impartation. It was calling. It was revelation of who he is. And I think how many times when he wakes me up or I hear him pulling me aside and I go the other way and just do my own thing that I was already doing, what am I missing out on? What revelation am I missing out on? What impartations am I missing out on? What miracles am I missing? What a miracle. How many of you have ever taken a stick in your hand, put it on the ground, and had it turn into a snake? Me either. (laughs) And if Moses hadn't turned aside to look, he'd have missed out on all of that. God would have used somebody else. 
But Moses would have missed out on being part of that miracle of the impartation of the gifts and the callings that God gave him that day and pulled out of him that day. How cool is that? It's another kind of prayer. That consecration to the will of God, that hearing and committing to the will of God. Because before, even though Moses kept protesting back and forth, anybody ever protest to the Lord? I can't do that. I can't do that. I can't do that. I told him all the time he called the wrong girl to be a pastor's wife. I'm not good at small talk. I haven't had a speech impediment growing up. And anytime I start talking, I get nervous and it just, you know... You called the wrong girl. He's like, no, my grace is sufficient. I got you covered. If you can do it yourself, you wouldn't need me anyway. <laughs> He's good, amen. amen? He is so good. So I, I, Moses protested back and forth, and at the end, he committed to that. Amen. 1 Kings 18. I know we're bouncing back and forth between different kinds of prayer. But one of these is going to grab your heart and you're going to run with it. First Kings, I know you know where I'm going with this. Elijah's one of my favorites. In First Kings 17, verse 1, Elijah tells King Ahab, it is not going to rain in this land until I say it's going to rain. And the rain stopped. And so... 1 Kings 18 is three years later. So they cover three years in a chapter. It says, later on in the third year of the drought, the Lord said to Elijah, go and present yourself to King Ahab. Tell him that I will soon send rain. The word of the Lord came. What was the word of the Lord? I'm going to send rain. So Elijah went to appear before Ahab. Meanwhile, the famine had become very severe in Samaria. So all kinds of cool things happen. Mount Carmel with the prophets of Baal. You know, the fire consumes the sacrifice. All kinds of cool things. And then down in in verse 41, after all the mighty miracle and the, you know, with the prophets of Baal, verse 41, it says, Then Elijah said to Ahab, We're back to the word of the Lord. Go get something to eat and drink, for I hear a mighty rainstorm coming. So Ahab went to eat and drink, but Elijah climbed to the top of Mount Carmel and bowed low to the ground and prayed with his face between his knees. Then he said to his servant, go and look out toward the sea. And the servant went and looked and then returned to Elijah and said, I didn't see anything. Seven times Elijah told him to go and look. And finally, the seventh time his servant told him, I saw a little cloud about the size of a man's hand rising from the sea. And then Elijah shouted, hurry to Ahab and tell him, climb into your chariot and go back home. If you don't hurry, the rain will stop you. And soon the sky was black with clouds. A heavy wind brought a terrific rainstorm and Ahab left for Jezreel. Now, how many of you know, before this week, we had like 12 days of blue skies? Who enjoyed our 12 days of blue? Which, I mean, we know it was 12 days because it's so rare to have 12 days of sun in a row here. But I was out for a walk one day, blue sky. 
Nothing but blue sky. No, blue skies. That was it. And I looked up, and there was just a wispy little cloud. One wispy little cloud. And I took a picture of it, and I tried to get it from the screen, and I didn't. So imagine with me blue skies and one wispy little cloud, because that is what Elijah saw. We're in a drought here. There wasn't even a threat of rain. But the Lord said, go present yourself to Ahab because it's going to rain. So all he saw was blue sky and a wispy little cloud. Now, when I was on my walk with the blue sky and the wispy little cloud, there was no way in my mind that rain ever entered it. I never thought, I better hurry up and get home because it's going to rain. Would you have? Did you look out your window any time in those 12 days of blue skies and think, it might rain today, I should take my umbrella? No, but Elijah did. Why? Because he had the word of the Lord on it. And it doesn't matter what we see. We have to sometimes contend for the word. We contend for what the word says. Are you with me? Are you all here tonight? You're awful quiet. (laughs) This prayer is contending. And we're going to have to stop in a minute and, and go on next week because our time is just about up. Oh, there it is. Oh, you got it. He's a good man, married a good man. Would you have looked at that sky and thought it's going to rain? That is what Elijah saw. And that was enough because the word of the Lord said it for him to say it's going to rain. And guess what? It rained. But it didn't rain without him contending. You know, a lot of miracles happened that that day. Amazing miracles happened that day on the Mount of Carmel where fire came down from heaven and consumed the altar. And the word of the Lord didn't say anything about that. He didn't even have to contend for that. He didn't have to hardly say anything more than, Father, consume your sacrifice. And the fire came. But what God said would happen didn't happen. And so he went up and said, oh, no, 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 no. We're not having this. We need to release the power of God. And this story is referenced in James 5, where it says the effectual, earnest, heartfelt prayer, the continued prayer of a righteous man availeth much and makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working, that Elijah, could you go to the next one? Because I didn't go there. (laughs) Elijah was as human as we are. And yet when he prayed earnestly that no rain would fall, none fell for three and a half years. And then, could you go to verse 18? Then when he prayed again, the sky sent down rain and the earth began to yield its crops. So why do we need to pray? Because it releases the power of God. It releases the power of God into this earth. You know, before the fall, God didn't need anybody to ask him to do anything to be able to move in this earth. You don't look in Genesis 1.1 and it says somebody asked God to create the earth so he could. He did it all by himself. In fact, in Isaiah, in the 40s, where he comes in and he talks about himself, 
If you have never read Isaiah chapters 40 through 53, go read it. He talks a lot about himself. And he talks a lot about being creator. And one of the verses in specific, he says, I laid the foundations of the earth. I created it all by myself. And he created man and he said, I give you dominion over the works of my hands. So God gave it to Adam. And guess what? When Adam fell, Adam gave it right over to the enemy. He handed his dominion right over to Satan. In fact, in 2 Corinthians 4.4, it refers to him as being the God of this earth. But in in Colossians 2.15, it says what? That Jesus triumphed over him. He stripped him of his power and made a show of him. And he gave that authority back to us. Why? Because Jesus was seated in heavenly places far above principality and power and might and dominion and every name that can be named in the earth, everything that's over it, under it, in it, around it, over all of it. And then in Ephesians 2, it says he sat us right there with him. And he put his word in our mouth. And if we don't say it, declare it, decree it, pray it, speak it, it cannot happen in this earth. He has bound himself to his word. That's why we need to pray. Because he wants to. The Bible says it's his will that no man would perish. And yet people do. Why? Because they choose to. But I'm telling you, I open my mouth. I am opening my mouth and I am releasing God's power in my situations, in my city, in my church. We're not going to have it here. This is a cancer-free zone. We may not see it yet, but we will. Why? Because we're speaking it. We have authority here. He gave it to me. My house is a sickness-free zone. Does that mean that the enemy doesn't attack? No, but it means that when he does, I can put my words on it. And the word of God coming out of my mouth is just as powerful as when it came out of his mouth because he sat me with him. We are his body on this earth. We're his mouth. We're his hands, his feet. He can't do it if we don't do it. Because he bound himself to his word. And he's not going to break it. So we need to pray to release his power in this earth. And there's more, but we're going to just go there next week. Is that okay? If we end here tonight, are we all good with that? Okay. Hallelujah. Father, Father, we just give you all the glory for what Jesus did on the cross. It wasn't just to buy us back to you. It was so that we could reign in this earth. It was so that you could have a voice in this earth. And so, Father, I just pray that these words that I spoke tonight, as incompletely as I could, that you will make them complete in every heart that hears. Father, that you will drop it like a fire on the inside of every one of us. Prayer and releasing your power in this earth and that intimacy, that conversation, Father, that intercession that you're looking for. Open our eyes, open our ears. Help us to hear you calling and help us be strong enough and hungry enough to put down what we're doing and say, Lord, I am coming. Father, we just love you. We give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
All right. Well, have a great night, and we'll see you all on.